It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D. Welcome back to the second hour. One of the best hours, right? This is the best hour in radio, as they say, um, with two of our favorite guys in the world, Dr. D, our mm-hmm. co-host, our mm-hmm. correspondents, whatever you want to call them, hosts in their own right of their own shows. We've got Mike Gormley, who actually, Mike, you... I, I hi, Mike. This is like, I'm a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, on radio, yeah, you're kind of like a ghost in the backseat of their whoever's, as they're barreling down the 101, yeah, you're a ghost in the backseat on YouTube. You've got some a really, really great lighting there today, to, uh my, yeah, you're looking. You're looking sharp. Yeah, you oh, really are. Okay, I'm with you. It, it makes you look like 50 years younger. <laughs> it just washes out. <laughs> I need one of those. Get rid of all the wrinkles. Takes off 20 pounds too. <laughs> and we've also got you guys are magic. Magic. We try. magic on the Jeremiah Ooh. show. 500 episodes, guys. This is this is so amazing. Yeah, congratulations, you guys. Yeah, and Mike, you were. Let's see what I don't. I should know this number. What which number you, you came in? You came in pretty early on. Did I? Uh, yeah, as a as, and and you were really the first experiment of bringing, it. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out. So here's Will Knox and uh, Tim Shinstack is somewhere out there in Hollywood right now. Can you hear me out there in Hollywood? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that before. But yeah, yeah, you were. It was a. Uh, it was new ground, and you came on the show, and you started bringing. Uh, well, I'll let you tell kind of how it first started, but basically, you were you were sending me people that you were managing, or that you're. It first started when I interviewed you on another show. Oh, I don't remember you interviewing me. What was that? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, oh god, I can't think of her name. Blonde lady. And uh, Gwen anyway. Stefani, how's that? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, was, it was when Gwen and I interviewed you. And Madonna, when yeah, she had Anna Nicole hair. Smith. Uh, who, I don't know. Anyway, we interviewed you, and then you said to me, why don't you come over to my show and do stuff? And God, I, don't, I don't remember wow. that at all, Mike. Wow, what, what happened? Um, what's my memory? Where'd it go? He grilled you like Mike Wallace. Well, Mike would send me, you know, he's got so many high, uh, prestigious, uh, high up there, A-listers and, and indie artists and all, all in between and so many great people that he's met over the years. Um, and you would say, hey, you know, you'd send them to me to do an interview. And I remember being so nervous and like I've, Mike Gormley's client, Mike Gormley's friend, um, first of all. Uh, why am I interviewing them? Who am I? You know, I was just you're brand, Jeremiah. Higgins. I was fresh and brand new, and I <laughs> but I would be nervous. Well, I would be so nervous, and and just like I got to get this right. It's a state of mind, Jeremiah. Yeah, but I, you know, you want to do it right, and I would, I would, um, I would then ask Mike, you know, how did I do? You know, did did I honor your guest? You know, and and their career and their life, and uh, apparently, I, I hope I did because he keeps sending. He hasn't sent me anybody in a long time. Now that I think of it, <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike, um, you know, I I always wanted to get Mike to do his own interviews um, with some of these people that he knew, and they are such such great interviews. We're going to talk about a lot of those today with Mike. Um, and, and try to remember all of you know my you could i just established my memory shot so hopefully we can remember how these interviews went um but so i was looking through the list today and i just could not believe um how many 
great people that you have interviewed, Mike, and uh, people that you brought to the show that, wow, I just, I, I don't want to thank you if I've never thanked you. Really thank you for that. Um, and then thank you, thank you for being there to me to bring them to. Well, it's really been great. The, uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk with, with both of you about Will and, and Mike is that it's been great to have a platform where we can tell, you know, over the last nine years, this world has been through a lot. We've all been through a lot, but we have maintained this positive um uh, enter- entertaining, I think, but a pot. We've brought on so many guests that are kind of telling the a good story, an inspirational story, right? Um, to keep the mood up, you know, we've never we've never gone off track from that. We've always wanted to be this. All of us, I think, we have this energy and this love and this passion for music or food or or life, art, um, you know, and and friendship, and we and we're able to tell that story here uh, as a group. Uh, I just feel very honored. I just want to say at the top to be sitting here with both of you. Let me give a real quick bio on 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 my my two uh, hosts here with me today. Co-hosts. Um, co-host. Well, yeah, but you guys are hosts, you know, in your own right of your own shows, and and I. I uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you. Though. You're right. It's a love fest here in the it's studio at KZBH. So Mike Gormley, he's a career consultant. Uh, he's a manager, and he also uh, public relations for his clients and his friends. Um, check out his website if you're at home and you're in, you know you're streaming this somewhere in New York City or London or wherever you're at in the world. Check out his, and you got a laptop or a phone, and you can look at it. L a p e r s d e v, L a personal development is what it stands for. So it's L a p e r s d e v dot com, and Mike uh, again was is a career consultant in the music industry. Over I don't want to give out the years because every time I do, he he says, "Why do you say that?" But <laughs> it's, Let's just say he's a young guy. He's a young well, yeah, he's, <laughs> but he's accomplished a lot, so much. He's uh, achieved top recognition as a journalist, a record company executive, artist manager, music supervisor for television and films. And again, a, a marketing and PR expert for over. All, that's, all that says is I can't keep a job. <laughs> <laughs> and he's done all this for over 40 years. <laughs> 40 years. Um, so l- listen, this internet, he's been responsible for setting into motion many artists' international careers. Danny Elfman. You've heard of him, I'm sure. Boingo, boingo. Yeah, and um, that's how old I am. So much, so much in the, uh, so many movie scores. Danny oh, Elfman's like, the best. The, like one of the top guys. Did um, he do Beetlejuice? Yep, that's what did? I thought. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Learn something every I'll day. See why you need me, Jeremiah? Well, I need all, I need both of you. I, I, I'm going to let you guys take over here in a second. But uh, Danny Elfman, like I said, uh, the Bengals. He helped launch the careers of. Such artists as Rod Stewart, Rush, and you got a great Rod Stewart story. I wonder if maybe I can get you to tell it again. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a little later. Rush, BTO, The Police, and Supertramp. Uh, so, you know, a few Pretty people, cool. Just a few people. Pretty cool. Uh, you Go ahead. Sounded like you were going to say something, Mr. Knox. No, no, I just, I just think that that's a very great roster of people to be working with and, you know, speaks highly of Mike. Thank you, Will. And Jeff Skunk Baxter, managing manager of Jeff Skunk Baxter and of uh, the Doobie Brothers and Steely Dan and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. 
um, we're playing some of uh, some of the music from Skunk's new album, Speed of Heat, on this show, this hour. I also wanted to, um, to proudly introduce one of uh, the newer hosts, Mr. Restaurant, but he's not the newest. Now you're like your sophomore now. Well, I'm I'm approaching my third season. Yeah, <laughs> with five shows, <laughs> eight. Oh, so excuse me. For a season, <laughs> we're having fun here. That's right. Will Knox is the founder of the Knox Company. He is a restaurant broker and a restaurant consultant specializing in restaurant real estate and concept development matters. Uh, again, we're gonna. I'm gonna throw out just a few of the small names that Will has worked with. Uh, God, we are surrounded by greatness, Dr. D. Mm -hmm. Will's restaurants include Spago, the very, very, very first Spago for Wolfgang Puck on Sunset Boulevard. I've had, I had dinner there one time. I'm oh, dating wow. myself now. I go well. The Border Grill. I mean, but these, this is like... Great restaurant. That was a great restaurant. Iconic, you know. Border, border Grill. Border Grill. Yeah. Moza, one of my favorites. Uh, Nancy Silverton. Public School 310. Nick's in Beverly Hills. I love Nick's. Uh, AOC, Suzanne Gowan, and Caroline Stein, the Hard Rock Cafes, a lot of them, right? You, you yeah. Develop. I was very fortunate to get in on the ground floor when Peter Morton first opened up the Hard Rock in L.A. I snapped my fingers and I said, I'm from San Francisco. I'd like to bring one of these to San Francisco. So I, I went to Peter, wow. who I didn't know, and I said, uh, look, I'm from San Francisco. Would you be interested in putting one of these in San Francisco? I didn't know anything about the concept at all, other than there had been a Carole King album called the Hard Rock Cafe. Mike, do you know that? Do you, do you, did you know that Carole King did an album called the Hard no, Rock Cafe? No, yeah. So it's very cool. And, and so Peter Morton, who I didn't know, who was really the impresario of the whole deal with his partner, Isaac Tigret, uh, said to me, look, I've got all the effing money in the world. I don't need partners. Find me a location. And that's what I did four months later on Van Ness Avenue in San Francisco, and then we started to really roll, if you'll start in the expression, where I was doing all the west of the Mississippi locations in the early days. So I was mm. very, very fortunate to see what a big box brand could develop as. And uh, so I got in on, on something at an early age, and it was early on, and, and that helped me to understand How did restaurant get, real estate. I love that, that the way that you put that, Will, that uh, you said, you went to Peter and you said, I want to put you in San Francisco. Like, that's a, that's a, well, that's, really that's, a, that's a, a, out, like, you put yourself a, out there. You're it's like, a bit audacious, but that started when <laughs> Willie Mays, when I was 10 years old, took me to the baseball game because I parked myself outside his door and I said, hey, Willie, I got tickets to the game today. How about taking me to the game? Hop in the car, bud. <laughs> so it, it taught me if you don't ask, you don't get. That's right. And ultimately, it, it really has served me well in, in the professional and, and personal world as well. Did he get, did he get you back home again? He did, he, <laughs> did get me, he did get me back home. And as a matter of fact, two weeks later, I said to my buddy uh, who was spending the night, I said, look, you know, Willie took me to the game to, you know, two weeks ago, and he said, oh, you're full of crap. And I said, no, no, no. I mean, we can go up to his apartment a couple blocks away, and we can... I'll show you. He's going to come out tomorrow. So we parked ourselves out in front of his stoop the next morning. <laughs> he sees me and he says, get in the car. 
<laughs> so he took me twice uh, to the ball game. Say, so this is the second. He time. took me twice. So we, I, I have a love affair with Willie Mays, but I have a love affair with chutzpah, and also the idea that if you don't ask, you will not get. And mm. it, it is, it, it's, it's held me very well. It held yeah. me out very well. So Will bugs me all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> he sits outside my house he's like can you take me to the game can you take me to the game Jeremiah? <laughs> you know? actually I feel very fortunate to be part of Jeremiah's posse because this is something I've wanted to do for many years which is a show devoted to the the business of restaurants not mm-hmm. necessarily the cuisine but really getting into what other people don't experience con- from my standpoint, it's been, you know, the real estate and, and development. Of and it. boy, oh boy, are those some great, those eight episodes, those four seasons. Oh, you're sweet. Those four seasons are just, uh, they go by like that. But four they, seasons? Because no, they're so interesting. They, they are, you. and, and the, the guests that you have, which we're going to talk about in, in, in a moment here. I want to keep them coming. Mm-hmm. We miss it. We, it's been a little bit of a, a break here. I know. Uh, let me Life. let me just do a Life. little. It's behind the scenes for all of these shows. We, yeah. we 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 take you behind the curtain, right? Yeah, Doctor D. I, I'm just I'm not going to take a break here. My sound sounds horrible. Am I? Oh, is my mic on? Your mic is on. His he, somehow his got moved out of his shot and further away from him. Is that a, is no? That I'm a not worried about the shot. I'm worried about do the sound. Do you want this closer? I, I, yes. Okay. That's, so that's is that bad. all right? Yes. So we're taking you. You're back. fine though. You're fine. We're doing an audio check right yeah. on air right You're now. You're fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just sound. I wasn't head. sure if it got in the way of my... No, no, no. It's not in the way of you. Okay. It's I a sa- beautiful was, shot. God forbid. And you're sounding great, I was going to say, I sound hollow in my head. And, well, and I, that's probably I'm all, not the, even that's all the time. And Mike's there. being so <laughs> quiet just listening there in the that's corner. Right. Well, I, they, you just rhymed off superstars of restaurants. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> Come on, just now. to mention three more, but there's so many. You, you like to where? eat, right? We all like to eat, yeah. so you know. Yeah, but I like good restaurants. You know that the, the uh, Peter Morton's father had a great restaurant in Chicago called, funny enough, Morton's. Correct. And I lived in Chicago for a number of years, and it was really great. On Sunday mornings, they would have a Sunday brunch where you. And, and miss maybe old hat to you guys, but it was new to me. You walked into the kitchen, the, the, the actual kitchen, and ordered what you wanted with the chef right there. Can't do that today in COVID land. No, no. No, and, that's uh, awesome. I didn't but, know that. But Mr. Morton was... Arnie. Arnie Morton. Yeah, and he was he was a great guy, and uh, uh, that's the only time I'd see him is sometimes on Sunday mornings. But he... Um, he was telling us about his son that's opening this American style hamburger place in London. And that's what he was telling me about at that point. And that was that was in the seventies. Initially it was called the Great American Disaster. Oh really? In in that and then it morphed into the Hard Rock Cafe and then of course it caught on and Arnie Morton was probably in the kitchen because the night before he was at the Playboy Club because he was VP of Playboy or something like that. And he started the Playboy Clubs. Arnie, oh, wow. Arnie Morton did. And then, you know, subsequently did Morton's Steakhouse, which was confusing a little bit to, to Peter Morton's own restaurant in L.A. called Morton's, where I actually got married. I was very fortunate, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, Morton's has a big, big, wonderful history in the restaurant lore. Yeah. Yeah. Arnie Morton, the great guy. I want to mention something, Mike, because you have a love for restaurants. Your son is in the business and in, in the in the beer and brewing. Yeah, brewing. yeah. In a in a small way, he uh, co-owns a 
uh, a pub in Koreatown in LA. Oh, great. But it's a, um, it's a real man. It's saying, it's saying it's craft beer is not giving it, uh, I mean, it's there's beer in there. You, you may never hear of again. I mean, it's just, they, they go all over the place for this and it's usually packed. It's, and it's often a corner of a mall. You can't really see it from the street. It's just this, Cool little place. You and, mean uh, so? So what he's doing to beer, a lot of winemakers have done with artisanal wine, and bread makers yeah. have done with artisanal bread. So he's doing it with craft beer. Yeah. And, and so, how did he weather the pandemic? They got through it, and um, um, <laughs> I, he, I'd go down there on, uh, every once in a while. And during the pandemic, they you couldn't get into the pub. But they sat, once things relaxed a little bit, they sat at the door and they had a desk and you could call ahead and order and then come around and pick up some beer. So I would go down there and chat with my son who was sitting in the doorway when people were picking up the beer. So that's what that's what they did. They made it through just fine. And there's there. I I've lost track, but I think it's maybe six or seven years now that it's been going. I know, I know they had a five-year thing, but I can't remember if that was one or two years ago. But I'd love to check it out. What's the name of it? Southland. Southland Brewery, or just Southland? Oh, no, it's, it's uh, Southland. It's that's cool. It's not, it's not a brewery. It, they don't make their own, but he, they uh, he grabs it from other crafts all over distillers. the place. Yeah. yeah. Very good. And, I, and, I, and there's a section with bottled beer as well. And, and that can be, you, you know, it's a beer you've never, you've never heard of. But, but beer, beer connoisseurs come in there and, you know, what do you, what do you got this week? And that sort of thing. So it's, it's does, pretty cool. Does he want to grow it? <laughs> Here he goes. If you don't Let's ask. Do some business. If you don't, you'll do a little business on the Jeremiah yeah. Show. I'd love to see a deal we'll, go we'll down We'll plug here. Southland, right? Let's, yeah. It's how we yeah. Just, Southland. We just did. And, and uh, I'd love to see it. Wouldn't it be cool to have a deal go down on the show? Let's watch how it gets done. <laughs> yeah, That's right. yeah. Let's show them the, the master, the master in, in his element. It's all connections. It's all connections. And I'll meet you in the parking lot uh, behind the old Sears, okay? <laughs> I'll be in a black Cadillac. <laughs> That's not how it's done, Doctor. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, wrong, uh, wrong deal. Not my people. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong deal. Wrong. Deal. <laughs> that's a oh, that's a different kind of deal. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, you guys, I never wear hats, and Kate, nobody's asking why I'm wearing a hat. We're, we're promoting our buddy Dan. Hey, Trejo. Jeremiah, why are you wearing a why hat? Why are you wearing a hat, Jeremiah? Danny Trejo, Trejo's Tacos. You got to get one. There you go. Oh, wow. What okay. a great guest he was. He's such a great guest. He was fun. Well, let me before we go on too much further, because you guys both brought up something that I want. I think would be good to kind of flesh out what we're talking about here. Mike, and, and also let the listeners know how these two gentlemen, Mr. Restaurant, Will Knox, um, Mike Gormley, what do I call you, Icon, um, and I don't overuse that he word. He drinks, Mike. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just I can't wait, talk, I can't wait to talk. give, uh, I brought a Guinness for, for Dr. D. Oh, I'm going to give that for you, Dr. D. All right, don't toss it. I'm not, I'm opening it for you. And we got Jeremiah Show Cups. Don't look too close because the pixelation. We'll get that fixed. <laughs> on the second round. We'll, we'll get that fixed. Here, Dr. D, I would pour it for you, but don't, don't spill it's, on your console. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's see. Um, we brought Dr. D's Irish and we brought him a Guinness. Uh, he yes. loves a Guinness. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Will, would you like a little IPA or uh, No, I'm okay. I got to drive back to Ohio a little later. What can we get for you, uh, Will? I uh, mean, uh, Mar Mike? Mike? 
What, well, sorry, well, three. It looks pretty good. That's good. Do you ever, Richard? Do you ever encounter Boddington's? Oh, I have I love, not. I love Boddington's English version. Oh, man, it's, uh, it's really, really creamy. Good. Oh, those are good. I should have got one. For it's them. creamy, exactly. That I mean, it's just an. It's, it's it's in the same cans as you get, as you just showed with. Uh, yeah, Guinness. The but Guinness was my favorite for many, many years, and in in, in in a way, it still is. But um, uh, Boddington's is. Um, mm-hmm. I love it's the a body killer brew. Well, not, not, you don't find it everywhere that often. Can you find it? Can you at find Southland? it at Southland? Not usually. That's too common. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta it's check this place out. Uh, it's not cool. out there somewhere. Cool. cool. I know. Okay. Great. Last comment on Southland um, before I ask my two questions of either of you, and then do my little flesh out thing I was gonna do. Um, Mike, Southland, your son's place. I loved how you described it. It's like at the end of it, like a strip mall and it's hard to find. Yeah. Isn't that LA though? Like the very, very best places have no sign hardly. And well, it's, it's, in like- Cor- it's in Koreatown and it, it's, it's the, 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 the mall is U shaped and everything's Korean. Every business is Korean except over in the corner is Southland. Mm. It's, it's, it's like just, it. it's just cool that it's, uh, it's gone the way it's gone. It's very popular. Well, uh, you're very proud of your son, and as you should be, and uh, everybody out there, go check out Southland. I'd love to still have him in. And it's we'll get him in on the show. Get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. you should do a Mr. Restaurant on yeah, him. We'll, we'll talk to him. Okay, so <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. So, Mike. They do serve food, but it's not. What's cool is they they there's food available of some sort. It's like snack food. Basically. He has to by by the license. Yeah, with a forty one license around the corner, just a half a block down and around the corner is fried chicken you can't believe i mean it's a, it's a real it's korean, a real korean and fried so chicken. They, they have no problem with you going down there and getting some chicken and coming back to the pub korean barbecue uh, korean fried chicken yeah. is the it's, best it's not it's not i don't know if it's korean but it's korean owners i don't know i don't know okay but so it, they just churn them out like crazy they're really really good real juicy so these gents here, uh, they're more than just um, top of their field. They know everybody. They're they're real, really humble for for the experience and their and the prestigious clients that they've had over the years. Um, you guys are really good people, and that really comes across in the interviews. Well, so Mike, you know, I was talking about earlier, Mike Gormley. I, I said, would you do? Would you do a show? And he he did, and he did many that we're going to talk about. Um, but I couldn't believe that he would, and he did. And so I want to thank you for doing that, Mike. I'm more thankful that you both are lending yourself to the show because it just it's like everything in life when you you get together and you work together. You can really, you know, all both rise rise together. You rise together. And we all we all have different interests and different perspectives. And I really love the unique interview style of Mike and uh, Mr. Restaurant. Will Knox, totally different interview style than myself or um, or Mike. And I love the way you approach your guests. So um, I just really Tim Stack, you know, who's just joined us in the comedy area there in entertainment. He really, you know, he's got his own perspective. So you guys have added a lot to a lot of layers and a lot of texture to the show and really brought it, brought us here to our 500 show. 
So if I don't ever thank you personally, I want to thank you right now. And, and uh, listeners are my witness that we, I really appreciate both of you and what you bring. You also bring ideas. Okay. So let me, I may have not ex- told the story, but Mike Gornley told me, uh, he, or, or it was just, just in casual, casual conversation, not like giving me notes or what I should be doing. But he said to me, you know what I love about the show concept is that it's music and it's food. You get a lot of food shows, you get a lot of music shows, but you get music and you, you get, I think Johnny Valente might be joining us here on the phone in a second. And you get and you put those two together and you really liked how, in fact, I'd love Johnny to jump in on this one because that's what he does at Birdland. He's brought for over and talk about music and food. Music and food. Yeah, yeah. Dinner, dinner and a show and all it's that. Fusion. Fusion. So uh, when you said that, Johnny Valente from Birdland, owner of Birdland, are you there? I am here. How are you? <laughs> oh, Johnny, so good. So good. It's been a little while since we've heard from you. And I know all the struggles you've had over COVID and all that. And you're still there at Birdland and you're doing better than ever. So we're. I'm so glad to have you on the show, uh, but I want to. Inter- you can't see. You're not on YouTube. You can't see the other two uh, gents that I have here joining us. Mike Gormley, who you probably are aware of, uh, he does. Uh, you, know, you know, over the years, music management and um, now consulting and business. Uh, he's Jeff Skunk Baxter's manager and so many more. Um, but he's a, a co-host on the show, and then we've got Mr. Restaurant, who is Will Knox. And who opened Spago and uh, uh, the Border Grill and Hard Rock Cafe and so many great concepts over I the years. I helped to get them oh, open. Come on. You, I didn't open when you them. Get in, when you're involved in them, you... you uh, How you doing, Johnny? I'm good, Will. It's great to hear you. And hello, Michael. How nice, are you? Nice to meet you. Hi, Johnny. So, Johnny, we were just talking. I was, I was, I was kind of telling the listener, this is, you know, our 500th show, and, and um, these gentlemen have... They bring in and they do their own interviews under you know within the show and um, bring in their you know their clients or their their um, you know people that in the industry and in their indi- respected industries that they have uh, grown up with and and been a part of in some way or sometimes just friends and and Mike Gormley told me at one point you know forty years in the business forty years sorry in the business. Um, Loved that the, the Jeremiah show had uh, really, you know, talked to musicians, but also uh, the food aspect, you know, that we talked to the chefs and the restaurateurs and the winemakers and all that. And right, right on cue, I said, Johnny, would I'd love to have Johnny's input on this and his interpretation, because Johnny has operated uh, Birdland in New York City, the number one music venue in the world, voted by voted that way by the by the people that go uh and attend the shows and johnny you you do you serve great cocktails you serve great food and you serve up uh an environment like no other at a club that first started in 1949 by by the bird and uh salt peanuts salt peanuts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're you're operating it so many years later i think a little over 45 you can correct me um we're all in that 40s club here aren't we uh anyway i just thought i would love to hear your opinion mike mike made me think he brought it to my attention that the food and the music kind of thing together is unique and it is it's fun and it's what we all love probably most out of life what's your what are your thoughts there well uh, first of all, 
as Will probably knows, uh, it's difficult now. Um, but we do need food in order to sustain our business. I think that music alone, without serving uh, beverages, uh, having a full-service bar, or without a good menu, it becomes very difficult to keep things going. I think that without the food, I don't think that Birdland would be what it is today because we kind of look at people coming in uh, to have dinner and a show rather than going somewhere else to have dinner and then coming to a show is very important for us. It helps our bottom line. I would think that without the food part of my business right now, it would be very hard to, uh, to stay alive, especially with the way rents are, the way labor costs are, and all of the other you know, aspects that go with the business. Uh, so for me, food has become a very, very important part, as well as the music. So we like to think that one comes in and spends a complete evening with us, and we get their attention from the time they get in the door to when they leave. What's your check average? Just curious. Uh, uh, we we average about fifty to sixty dollars on uh, food and beverage per person. Wow, that's great. And and our music charges are usually between thirty and forty dollars. So we look at someone coming in about a hundred dollars a head, uh, which I think is very reasonable in New York. You're going to come in here, Ron Carter, and have a great dinner have a cocktail, dessert, and you're going to have a great time. I think generally, this is Will speaking now, generally we're at, at a time when, unless you're 25 and you're crawling through wine bar or, you know, craft beer bar in, in Koreatown, <laughs> people generally in this category, which is probably is your demographic over 35, let's say, Exactly. Okay. So those folks, you know, want to go out for an evening, but they don't want to necessarily crawl around to four different places, get on the subway, grab a cab, go here, go there in New York or wherever it may be, and Uber over here and over there. They want to stay put and have a total experience for three to four hours, right? Absolutely. That's what I think has been it's our... It's an attraction. Yeah. You know, what that's been our, our model to do is... Uh, with the, like you said, the demographics that we have, once they reach that age, they really don't want to bounce going from a dinner, grab a cab, run over, see a show, then have to grab a cab. We like them to get in here 5.30, 6 o'clock, show goes up at 7, by 9, 9.30, they've had a full evening, they're on their way. Who's on this weekend for you? I've got the Gypsies in from Paris. I've got the Django Reinhardt Festival. Oh, wow. Our Oh, what a weekend. Cool. Uh, Just last month, we had a full month of Ron Carter, and that was phenomenal. Um, So things have been looking really good in New York. Business, I would say my business is about 80-85% back from pre-pandemic days, and uh, it looks even busier for the holidays. I've got advanced sales that are going really, really well. 
How many yeah. square feet is your 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 spot? Oh, Will's making. Now we're getting into deal. real estate a little yeah, bit. Will's making a, another deal. I no, no, let's. I, I have an idea for you. Go on. Okay. Well, so Will, we, by the way, Will, we're not going to give out too much here, but Will Knox will be involved with, uh, with Johnny <laughs> no, and the deal. No, no. Some very in the very short future. This is how it gets done, though. You know. That's right. I'm just curious how many square feet you have. Will, you're more than welcome to come and uh, enjoy the <laughs> We're going to get a little posse out there to to, to Birdland, and uh, I'm going to bring everybody out there so we can all the all the heavy hitters. So we can. Are you on one level or two? We, uh, I recently, in 2018, I built a theater in the lower level. Cool, very nice. 110 people in the lower level, very intimate room. I put in our a separate kitchen, separate bathrooms, separate dressing rooms, green room. And in the upper level, I've got about 5,000 square feet, and I sit about 175 people. Here's Moonrow about you. However you want to say it, and then we'll drop it into all the shows for the year, so we'll keep promoting it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, hi there, everybody. You're listening to Jeremiah. Richard, we'll uh, count you down real quick here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Jeremiah show. All right. Stand by in three, two, one. Hi, everybody. This is Ann Hayton. You are listening to The Jeremiah Show, and we had the pleasure of talking to him today. It's our podcast called Ann and Heather, and we are better, better together. together. <laughs> yes, I, want you want me to say? I want you to say it's Ann. I want you to say your name. Okay. Your I know. want you to talk. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. In three, two, one. Hi there, everybody. This is Ann Heach, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. We are Ann and Heather, and we are better together. Listen to us every Thursday. Cheers. I love it. Thank you. I've seen that type before. They think it's all harmless fun, and then they just get bored. You see, you really had me torn Thinking it was something in my head Oh, what a chore But you pulled a 180 on me now Changing what I thought we were all about Radio drop promo for your cookbook. You want? 
Richard, will you uh, cue him up when you're ready? All right. What am I doing? You basically introduce yourself, talk about your cookbook, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Okay. All right. I'll count you down. Three, two, one. My name's Danny Trejo, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. And on it, I'm talking about my cookbook. It's awesome. Hey, I got a documentary coming out, and I uh, dropped a, a record called Satisfy My Soul. Check it out. Trey Holmes music. Jeremiah, you're loved, Holmes. Beautiful. Beautiful. And Danny, thanks for everything you're doing for everybody. I, I really appreciate it. I hope we can talk about that so, soon someday. Right, we'll do it again. Set it up. Busy guy. All right. Thank you, sir. Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Please visit me at MarielleHemingway.co or the All for One Club and join the Barefoot Challenge. Here's We Are Growing, Emma Piano. jump in here real quick I, I want you to tell just a quick story if you don't mind or you can take it along if you like Johnny the um, over COVID you had a fundraiser uh, if you don't mind me putting it this way and correct me if it's not the way you want it put out there but Birdland was was hurting and was um, you know facing some pretty tough decisions uh, could have been the end of Birdland I don't think I'm exaggerating there um, during COVID and you put together this um, the people that love it came together from, I believe, Sting. Um, wasn't Bruce Springsteen involved? Um, Billy you, Joel. Billy Joel. To save it? To save it, right? Everybody came together. Great. You know what? It, you know, it was probably one of my proudest moments. Um, as we know, during COVID, uh, the, the landlords were very understanding of what we were going through. So we had made... When we closed in March, we actually were closed for 16 months. And when we were closed in March, uh, we all thought, and I think everyone thought that it would be back in a couple of months. 
So I went to the landlord and I said, you know, we're going to be closed for uh, until July 1st was the first reopening that we heard in New York. And I said, uh, you know, the rent is, you know, I'm in Times Square. You have 9,000 square feet. So you do the numbers, Will. What do you think? Pretty high rent. Rent-wise, I wouldn't want to touch it if I was you, but you're you. So I went to him and I was trying to, you know, we tried to work it out. And I said, uh, I'm willing to give you half, half the rent while we're closed. And as it turned out, I was closed for 16 months. So that deal really backfired on me. You should have done percentage only rent. Yeah. So I was looking at paying him half the rent. So for over the period of time, we had to come up with not only your rent, you had to come up with insurance. You still had to have your phones on, your gas delivered, and you had to pay for your rental equipment. So there were bills to be paid every month. By the end of the year, in 2020, I went to the landlord and I said, you know, this is all coming. And I'm, of course, we're not getting any money coming in. And we have to live and we have to keep things going. So a couple of friends of mine came to me and they wanted to do a fundraiser. And I said to them that I'm willing to do a fundraiser if we can help keep the club going and help the artists that aren't working. And I didn't want to do it personally. I didn't feel that that was justified. So they said, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll put something together. And in a matter of three weeks, we raised $410,000. Beautiful. Wow. Great. And at, at of that $410,000, the majority of them were $10 and $20 donations. That's the love that they showed for the club and for music. And it, like I said earlier, it was very heartwarming. And I understood the importance of not only Birdland to people, but live music. Do you think the song Birdland really has kept the club afloat because people really know that tune primarily from the Manhattan Transfer, right? Well, you know, I think that there's probably 2,500 uh, artists that have probably recorded it. Wow. From different versions of it. When Joe Zolinol did a lullaby of Birdland, they changed it around. But I'd have to say that it is very much a part of Birdland. I mean, people hear the song, they they recognize uh, the club, and they do associate the song with the club. But I think most important are the artists that have played at the club. I think that that brings Birdland back to everyone's mind because in the 50s, it was the temple of music for every artist that ever dreamt of playing on a bandstand. So to me, the song is very important, but I think that the iconic names of Charlie Parker, Oscar Peterson, Hank Jones, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, you know, Count Basie, Duke Ellington, we can go on and on and on. They all made Birdland their home. Uh, Go ahead, Doctor. I was just going to say, I like the way you phrase that as a temple. Mm. Uh, Not just Birdland, but other historic musical, in in, in specific, because that's what we're talking about, music here, live music, uh, that, that 
allows people to come together for, we'll call it, no religion intended here, almost like a worship service. But yeah. they're, they're not necessarily worshiping the artists, although we love them. But we're worshiping the music and the emotion that it's social in the social aspect of it. I, I like that uh, that expression you use. That, that it's shared a experience. It's never the same yes, on one it, night. Exactly. I want to ask a question of Mike Gormley here, and then and then I also want to put this to you, Johnny, to think about it. Uh, I'm going to phrase it. Johnny and I have had a lot of conversations over over the last year. Uh, and especially over this time that he's referring to where it was very tough for live music and live musicians were on the show and they were just not, they didn't know, they didn't have the normal outlet. They, their, their audience, they, so they started doing all these streaming recordings and doing whatever they could just to play and, and perform. And that's who they are, right? In their, in their, in their core. And, and it was difficult. Everybody, you know, what we didn't see the future. So what's going to happen to live music? What's going to happen to, uh, to performances and to the music industry. Mike, uh, Mike, you're in the business. Uh, I see how you treat your clients. I see the clients that have stuck with you over the years and, and the care and the, and the consideration that you give uh, each one of them. You really care about the musician and the artist. And Johnny and I had this conversation too. I mean, he, uh, I, I probably, there's a lot of stories that, he wouldn't want feel comfortable telling of how he supports the musicians probably with one of his last dollars at some points. And then um, I've interviewed musicians that have played for Johnny and they tell me these sweet stories off air and on air about what he does and how much he cares for the musician and making sure that they have food on their table, even if maybe he, you know, doesn't as much. And it's just, it's just for the two of you love, music and musician and the artist and you support them with everything that you are and that's so you that's such a great um trade i think that that maybe not even that you get credit for a lot but mike could you speak to just the artist i just love i just love being with those people i just like being around musicians for some reason and and have been Oh, man, when I was a kid, my father was writing for Variety magazine out of Canada, you know, so I, these strange people would come over for dinner. Every <laughs> one creative people, creative. Yeah. And, um, strange. You know, so it was, I just, I just enjoy what they talk about and, and how they see things and, and, and you learn a lot and you, you know, you bump into some that you don't want to be around. Uh, but for the most part, I just like being with them. And if I can help them in any way, yeah, and they yeah. help me too. They help me, you know, it's not just a one way street. And I'd like to hear from Johnny. Uh, you know how they talk about this in terms of the kitchen and how, you know, like, for example, I love Jeremiah's mom's apple pie. I mean, it, it's fantastic. Not only the presentation, but the, the taste. Because she puts love into it. I got to get you one, Johnny. Have I got, have, have we They're got phenomenal. You? They are. Mike, did you get one one time? Oh, I've never had that. Oh, oh we'll get you one. <laughs> she decorates it with a heart oh, and a crust. Oh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Every so, slice has a heart. <laughs> so then you start thinking about that in terms of, in this case, the kitchen is the stage. And Johnny... I, w I would love for you to to share with us your perspective as to when you treat the artist well the way you do and the, the and the way that they uh, um, 
play having been treated in the way that you do that makes the biggest difference in the performance that they are about to give doesn't it of course uh, was, and you know what i wanted to just backtrack a little bit i've always felt that i would not be here if it weren't for the artist and i always hold true to this belief that the stage is the star so whatever i do and whatever my staff does is to accommodate and make sure that the artists are well taken care of. Whether it's with equipment, whether it's the way they're greeted, the way that they're fed. And this is so important because when artists are happy and they're performing on stage, uh, it transcends to the audience. And that in turn, the audience is having a great time. My, my greatest thrill is at the end of a performance, when I see an audience stand up and give an ovation to the artist, I know my job was done, and I'm happy. It's like when your wife had the first child. It's just the best feeling in the world. So for me, when my artists come in, I have to tell you, nothing else matters except for their happiness, comfort level, and that they're greeted. I'm here to greet the artist every night. I very rarely take off. I feel that there are other clubs that have owners that maybe have managers taking care of them. But I have to be here because, like I said, I would not be here if it weren't for them. And to appreciate their music and to share their friendship is what this whole thing has been to me. Yeah. It's been the greatest ride I've ever had. Well, I will tell you that in my in my end of the business with people like Jeremiah who produce these programs, uh, I, I've always taken on the attitude, and some days it's not always easy, but I, I have to remind myself, hey, you have to be their cheerleader. If they come in here grumpy and cranky and, and, and all bent out of shape, you got to turn that around so they put out a good program. And, uh, you know, because it isn't just about how the radio station sounds. It's about how they sound. And then they walk out of here afterwards feeling a whole lot better having having had that experience. So, man, I can relate to what you're talking about. You can, uh, you know, uh, working with artists, I, I hear the comments off off mic comments, if you will, or, or in the car on the way back from an interview. And, you, you know, when they when they get connect with a, an interviewer, any any artists I've met, they just love it. They, they love uh, that there was a conversation and maybe the interviewer got into some things they don't normally uh, as, a, as an artist get into. Mm. And uh, they feel great about it when they, and they feel taken care of. Yeah. Uh, that, that, and, that, and I've heard the opposite of why they didn't like the, uh, the interview and don't ever have me go see that guy again. But um you know, it, it's interesting that observation, but but you they can feel it. They can feel it when you yeah. care about talking to them. And that you're not just. And it's terrible sometimes. You go into radio stations and some of the bigger stations, and you come in and you you wait outside, and then you they open a door, you sit down, you talk for five minutes, ten minutes, and then they say thank you and send you on your way. And the artist feels like 
what what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> it's really all fluff, and it doesn't get in there, and that's one of the things certainly I wanted to do, and I know you do uh, certainly very well. Uh, and, y- you know, you want to get in there, and you want to tap into who they are, the essence of them, yeah. as if we're just a little kid at the end of the day just, you know, wondering who you are. You know, tell me about yourself, you know. And, and I've noticed that that not, that doesn't happen a lot, does it, out there, guys? I mean, no. Listen, I'm talking to our listeners right now, and also to to everybody here in this room uh, and on the phone, Johnny, and uh, in New York City. This doesn't happen that often. This well, unless this, you're in therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? You know, that's and that's even how, then, it's probably a problem. That's how I end the show. Every show is that I, you know, I say communicate, but listen more. And I'm not saying listen more to us, although it's a nice pun. I'm saying listen more. Right? We. Uh, that's an art form in itself is to shut up and listen. Uh, I, I just love what this conversation that, that that you brought up also, Mike, how, you know, it's, it's about listening to them and actually really maybe asking some questions that no one else has. And yeah, well, you know, you try, to, uh, you try to find questions that will get them interested and get them into the conversation. Is that and, your goal when you do an interview, Mike, on the Mike Gormley series? <laughs> What? Sorry, what was your question? Is that what you? Is that your goal as a as an interviewer? Yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to have a conversation uh, as if we're around a dinner table or something. I just want to chat with them about some things in their in their lives outside of their music world. Absolutely relevant. Relevant, you know. But but uh, find find something different. When I was interviewing. Uh, Chris Hillman, you might remember this a couple of years ago from the birds and desert rose band. So on incredible career. <clears throat> and, um, we were talking about music. We we're talking about the birds and we we're talking about all that. And I said, I got to ask you a stupid question. And he, he sort of went, I mean, I'm, I'm happy he didn't say continue. <laughs> um, but he, um, so anyway, he said, okay, go ahead. And I said, I heard when you were in the birds, they made you iron your hair before you went on <laughs> because he had really curly hair. And in those days, you know, you're supposed to have straight long hair. And, uh, and he went, oh, come on. And I said, well, I told you it was a stupid question. And because of my response, he went, oh, and then he answered the question and he talked about it. He talked about it more off air. Unfortunately, I wish we were still we'd still been on because he's then he, he got into how it wasn't iron my hair. They put goop in my hair so I would straighten. Mm-hmm. And then he told a story about one show in a very outdoor show in the sun and the goop started sliding down. <laughs> <laughs> a little like Rudy Giuliani's hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of yeah. Uh, Sounds like it was. I didn't see it. But anyway, that's what I mean is you 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 get off you get off on a tangent somewhere and i knew that i could tell he wouldn't have like he didn't like this question i knew he wouldn't like this question which is why i prefaced it with this is a stupid question <laughs> and i and um but anyway you know that that's that's where it's fun when you get a reaction like that and you get a you get you know a what, what i've turn- found over years especially um with the artists that you get to know on a personal level you know their music and they know that you appreciate their music. They really love you to know them as a person. For example, Freddie Cole. Freddie Cole would come in here 
he would either talk to me about his golf game or the days he played football in high school and how he hurt his hand. Or Oscar Peterson on how he just liked photographs, how he loved to go out with a camera and take pictures of flowers. But the things that other people may not see because they're on stage with their music were things that I loved sharing with people of, of that caliber that would come in. These great artists had these insights in their life, and they wanted to talk about it. They wanted you to know them as a complete person, not just the music. And that's what I think was very rewarding for me, is to become uh, a fan of their music as well as a friend in their lives. Wasn't the music really an expression of who they are as a person? And that's how they would really kind of yeah, edify absolutely. that, you know? And you heard, you've heard a lot about how musicians, when they're on the road and doing live performances and traveling from one place to the next, in spite of the fact that they might be, they might have their entourage, their bands and all of this, it still can be very lonely and isolating. Oh. Absolutely. You know what they always say, musicians spend years of their life practicing in dark rooms alone. You know, and mm. they, they're very lonely because it's practice, practice, practice. Most of the times they're alone. When they get an opportunity to share their lives with others, they're very open and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry that most people don't get the opportunity to meet people in that you know, open dinner table type, you know, atmosphere. And I found that if we do streaming with some of our artists, that the most successful parts of the streaming are backstage. When they're in the dress, like Sheila Jordan, for example, we'll go backstage while she's doing her makeup and talking to the band and walking just before she gets on stage. That gets more views than the actual performance. Because we can't get there otherwise. Right. Yeah. Right. The backstage. Pass. And that's what I think you guys are all bringing to to this show and to your interviews is yeah. these back, you know, behind the scenes. And people love it. It's the in-between, you know, I remember Mike being nervous in the beginning when we started the YouTube channel uh, and the breaks. Sometimes we'd get the best reactions or the best statements in the breaks you know when, right. they, when they knew they were they didn't have to be so politically whatever and that was some of the, the most interesting yeah conversation you know that that uh you're like you kept warning people you don't forget you're you're being recorded all throughout right. but uh, but the backstage and getting to know the real person that's a great point i want to just ask you johnny i know you got to go i keep hearing the birdland phone ringing back there i'm sure you're uh you're just about open for dinner service new york city time um it's five o'clock there in new york let me ask both mike and uh and johnny this question you've met these and maybe you've already answered it. You met. You guys know have met. <laughs> the list of who you haven't met is probably uh, smaller uh, than you know, right, have How's met. it go? Yeah, you've met everybody. Let's just say it that way. It may, that may not be true, but basically, you've met anybody that in the music industry that is known or more, more than the average guy. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Over these years, is there a uh, you know if you could boil it down the art these artists what is the the thing that's um that's calm most common i guess that you've noticed in in these big stars over the years 
um, that you're attracted to that you that you admire that maybe others don't get to see or did we just answer that I think that uh, when I talk to Tony Beck when I talk to Pat Metheny when I speak to uh, to the artist uh, Diana Crawl who was in here the other night what I have found is regardless of where they are in the music industry, the the names that I brought up are so genuine and real that I I forget who they are when I'm talking to them. Uh, They're just down-to-earth people. They want people to understand that as well. I think that they do appreciate people loving their music, but they want to be recognized as just regular people. They don't, you know, when they come in and sit down, they don't want to be, you know, inundated with a lot of photographs and all. They just want to be just there, like one of us in the audience. And it's been really beautiful to meet the people and be at that level where you can just sit down and not talk about your last performance, but, you know, how are the kids and what are you doing for the summer and uh, who'd you go see recently? Mm-hmm. That's been, to me, I think, the most, I think, impressive thing. As these artists get to be more and more well-known, I think they're more and more reachable, but they uh, they want you to be there with them. Mm. How are you, Mike? Uh, yeah, much the same. Um, but, I mean, you know, in every profession, you come across jerks that, <laughs> it was a lot of a lot of uh, present company of excluded <laughs> yeah, right. i'm right uh, i'm right here mike <laughs> uh, if if someone is it, you can tell if their career is going to last or not and johnny you've probably seen this when somebody comes in and for for some reason they've got hot you know the people are, they're getting they're gaining fans are playing birdland for god's sake which you probably dreamt of and yet they they um it it's it screws them up and uh and they're not fun to be around or they're not having a good time themselves or that sort of thing um and maybe there's a good reason for it but there's not much time for it I don't, I don't have time for people who are going to be jerks. You know, it's just, uh, there's too many great artists out there who you love to work with. And so you'll see careers go downhill pretty quickly because of their bad attitude. Um, and of course, some big stars have bad attitude and, and but because of where they are, they, they hang in there. But, um, uh, I don't know. I just find, uh, most of the people I've worked with are, are, are great fun and great stories. And, um, and yeah, we've had run-ins with each other, you know, um, being a manager, you got to have a thick skin. Um, you know, you don't hear thank you very much, but um, uh, it's, it's still, you know, you're working together on something and it's, and it's coming together nicely. And, I enjoy that aspect of it. 
What's the best advice? Just a quick answer, one word, you know, one one sentence from both of you. Best advice for these in, in these new artists that you're talking about, Mike, that are up and coming, and uh, maybe the pressure's too much, the the su- sudden success is too much, or whatever, and they're they're just not there. They're not polite to the managers and the people that are helping them get there. What's a, what's one word of advice that each one of you would give? You've met them all out there. What should a new young artist put in their you know, in their mind to, to emulate and to make sure that they do for, as they're on their way up. Well, you said it earlier, just listen, listen to the people around you, listen to your team, if you will, or if it's just one person and, and if they're not doing their job, if the manager or whoever is not helping you out, listen to that too. You don't have to, um, you don't have to screw them over. You can sit down with them and say, this isn't working out. But um, uh, if, if you listen to what's being said by people who know what they're talking about, uh, you're going to benefit from it. And a rapport is created that uh, makes the, the, the day-to-day job, if you will, and the loneliness you're talking about and the driving for 300 miles to the next gig and so on. It's going to make it easier because you've got you got buddies, if you will. You got friends uh, that, that are supporting you through the way. Johnny? Well, I think that it's very important, especially in the jazz industry, because once again, you know, we're only 2% of the population uh, that listen to jazz. And what I have found uh, as a manager as well, we have a management company, is that you've got to have, you've got to relate to these artists that they need to be patient, that it's not going to happen overnight, that it takes time. You've got to be respectful. You've got to have patience and you've got to have a sense of loyalty and trust. And if we can relay that to our young artists, that you've got to take your time. You've got to trust the people that you've hired that know what you're doing that know what they're doing, and I think that it would work. It's the young people that come in that want it all happen within six months or a year. <laughs> it just doesn't happen like that. It takes time. You've got to build. You've got to build slowly, and you've got to just understand that if you give it time, and you have a good team with you, that it will work. Mm-hmm. Good advice. All right, Johnny, I'm going to let you go, uh, unless you want to hang out with us. But uh, I, I do want, I do need to get to Mr. Restaurant here and Mr. Gormley on a couple of their guests that have been on the show, past shows. Before we do let you go, though, or hang out as long as you like, my friend, um, tell us what's, co- again, plug what's coming up at Birdland and what, what everybody needs to go see if you're in New York City. Well, like I said, I have the Django Festival here through Saturday. I've got the Mingus Big Band in the theater. Next week, I've got a young uh, pianist, vocalist, Peter Sincati coming in. I've got the Hot Sardines following them. Ooh. Then I have Fredelling. I've got Stacy Kent. I've wow. got a pretty good right through January. Oh, beautiful. So, uh, Stacy Kent's in. Uh, Stacy does a Christmas show there every year, right? It's kind of tradition. Uh, we had her on the show before. And this week, uh, unfortunately, you know, we lost Freddie Cole, who did 35 Christmas weeks for me. Mm. Um, mm. With you know, with him, 
uh, gone. It's it's a big it's a big loss. We loved him so dearly. But I have Kurt Elling doing a couple of weeks for Christmas, so that should be fun. And uh, like I said, the theater's been very busy. Upstairs has been popping. The city's really starting to come back to life. And if you're in New York, you've got to come in and say hello. Uh, we'd love to have you visit. We'd love to have you come in and have our, our food. We have great food and uh, great music. Good sure. combination. The Jeremiah Show from Birdland. Oh, uh, we're, we're taking it there. We're talking later, oh, Will. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, uh, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. And, yeah, can you imagine a better spot than Thanksgiving or Christmas, a holiday season in New York City, oh. having a night at Birdland? And you know what's all awesome is Johnny is there every night shaking hands and, and saying hello to everybody. Uh, it's just an experience. Um, timeless. He stepped back into time. And every night is a different experience. And thanks, Johnny, for, for coming on. You bet. It was great talking to you all. You have a great night. All right. I'll give you a call tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk some more. Terrific. Bye-bye. Uh, okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, Let's John. take a quick break and regroup here just for a moment. This is a great conversation, guys. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Um, let's take a quick break and just talk for a minute. Here's Mr. Tambourine Man by The Birds. Hey, Chris. Hillman. Jeremiah Show. Here to tell you about a new record I've got coming out, about all the time I've spent on the road. If you want to help me out, send a donation to heyineedthebloodymoney.com. That's heyineedthebloodymoney.com. I'm Dan Navarro, and I'm a guest on The Jeremiah Show. We're having a lot of fun here, so you do yourself well to kind of check it out. I believe, why use few words when many will do? Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear, and we're going to be on tour this summer on the Summerland Tour of 2021 with Everclear, Living Color, Hoobastank, and Weedists. Hope to see you guys out there. Take care. Imaginus Mentalis and Call Me Shadow, Careless Night.
Welcome back to Jeremiah Show. You did it. Did I, no, did no, I stumble not, on that it's one? It's not a double clutch. Uh, you double just clutch. started uh, before I said you're live. I t- I'm out of the gate. I'm ready. Uh, you this are. Conver- I'm totally uh, inspired by the conversation between all you guys. I love it. It has been incredible. It really has. Well, that's You're re- drinking again, Doctor D. Well, you know, it's <laughs> that's what, what happens. happens when I give him a little Guinness. He gets friend- <laughs> he gets friendly, but the great thing is it puts him to sleep in a moment. So. <laughs> All right, let me, guys. You have had some amazing interviews uh, in in your segments, and so I want to talk about them. Um, just go down the list. You know, for for someone that hasn't. You know, Mike started in the beginning. We're on our 500. He was in there definitely under the 100 show. Yeah, he's had some really great music icons, oh. people in the industry, musicians, artists on his show. And Will Knox, obviously, uh, wait till you listen to the to the restaurateurs and the chefs that he's talked to. I'd encourage you to go back. And these shows will live forever. And revisit them if you get some time. Hey, Jeremiah, people have asked me, where do I find the show, Mr. Restaurant? And I say, go to the Jeremiah Show Mm -hmm. on your podcast. Any podcast site that you're out there. And, and what I would do is I would subscribe. If you let's say yeah. you like Apple, mm-hmm. you got an iPhone, you love Apple yeah. Podcasts, subscribe. You know why? Because it pops up and says "Mr. Restaurant New Show Available." Um, make yeah. sure you hit that subscription button. We don't bug you. We don't ask you for any money or anything. But if you'd yeah. like to send some, we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, <laughs> th- th- you know, so I would subscribe. That's the easiest way for them to remember, and so that you don't get forgotten um, with all the stuff out there right now and all the entertainment. The great things about the podcast, though, are that it is that. You know, you're in your car, you're walking on the beach, you're uh, you're working out. You know, you can stop and pause and go back and revisit. And there's so many great guests with so much great great stories and great advice for these different industries. Now, um, Mike Gormley, he's had Jeff Fossman on, great Jeff Fossman, John Zambidi, the frontman of the Malibus. Roxanne Seaman, oh my God, her her resume is way too long to ever list here. But Roxanne also sends us quite a quite a few of the musicians that we interview on the show. Roxy, thank you so much. Um, Adam Phillips of the, of the Folk Orchestra of Santa Barbara and Mike did a couple interviews together, um, and they interviewed musicians. Peter Asher, I, I still when I call when I bring back. Great shows that you need to go back to. Peter Asher is always at the top of my list. Peter Asher, um, I believe Mike did. Wasn't Peter the the inspiration for Mike Myers and Austin Powers? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny because when if you see Austin Powers, and you know Peter does a, a live show, if you will, for I don't know maybe hour, hour and a half, talking about his career. He was very close to the Beatles and very close to the whole British. Uh, thing and then he then he he managed and produced James Taylor and Linda Ronstadt and and uh, you know his career is something else so he goes through it but at the end he just says and now uh, I forgot how he puts it, but it's something like and, and now something that important happened in my career that I had nothing to do with <laughs> and up up pops uh, it looks just like peter asher from the 60s it's so it's so funny well mike myers dressed as um what the hell's his character name austin powers yeah austin powers <laughs> the black glasses but it's yeah he, he looks like peter asher from the, it's so funny when he does that i mean like I, jeremiah you can put them side by side yeah yeah uh, yeah so it's uh it's 
It's great. That show with Peter Asher was Peter Asher, Skunk Baxter, and Richard Gibbs. Richard Gibbs is a member, keyboard player for Oingo Boingo, but also um, a great film composer and a um, and a studio owner. That's one of the best studios in the world. Mm-hmm. And, the Woodshed uh, Studios, Malibu. Yeah, who, who you know they've uh, Bob Dylan's been up there. Uh, Lady Gaga, a U two, a Coldplay was just up right. Did their last album. Coldplay's Coldplay's almost lived there. They were when the fire came through Malibu a couple of years ago. Coldplay was in the studio and they had to escape. Uh, and Richard's house burnt down. And the studio was left untouched. Only somehow. thing was and left. Studio's right? about. Wow. 100 yards in the back from his house but Jeez. it went around the studio and into his house you've had brian chatton on uh musician mike bone mike limbo music management icons talk about those two real quick just uh, people that aren't well, mike bone and mike limbo are two guys i've known since the early 70s uh mike limbo has managed or published some great great artists over the years and mike bone's been uh, the president of two or three record companies and it worked with some amazing artists and has been very responsible for a lot of success for a lot of bands, uh, including Rush and, you know, who else? I mean, he was president of Island Records, president of Mercury Records. Um, and and uh, my idea with that show was to just have kind of a roundtable conversation because I've known him so long and we've worked together on one level or another. Um, and um, it it didn't quite work. It started to work near the end when, when it became conversational. But I found myself like interviewing them, you know, <laughs> and I would and great stories. But I, I I just wanted to chat for a while. So the concept is still uh, I need to still work on that. But but what they had to say was great. And Mike Lembo most recently just moved to Italy. He lives in Italy now. Guy. My phone lives down the street from me, and and uh, he's in Santa Monica. And um, uh, but there, you got the were, LAPD out your window. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do? Uh, and and uh, that's a little joke, because uh, Mike, you were LAPD, LA Personal Development. Uh, yeah. Miles Copeland was <laughs> was right there with you, right? And he was what? Yeah, that's somebody you don't have on the list the here. I um, interviewed Miles, and that was a very interesting conversation. Miles Copeland, yeah. Um, and and um, especially those that we were partners for a number of years and very much involved in the careers of Boingo Boingo and the Bangles and so on, and uh, and the police. And um, uh, but he uh, he was. Um, it was interesting to it was interesting for me to talk to him because we hadn't talked for a long time at that point he had a new book out and he was very kind to me in the book and uh so so i said okay you can come on you, you were <laughs> nice i got a question for mike mike do you get involved in any way with the new music hip-hop have you ever heard of hip-hop have i ever heard of it it rules the world um, and not much I, when when rap first came along, several people said, "Get into rap, you're going to make a lot of money." Blah blah blah, and and uh, and I I don't I don't dislike rap music. I I'm what they what is being said in many of those songs is important and and beautifully stated in a, in a colloquial kind of way. But they um, there's some rap that's just trite but then there was some rock and roll that was trite and some rock and roll that was deep you know just or jazz or whatever it might be um 
but no, I haven't. Um, I admire it for what it is, but I don't know that it's. It doesn't have to be in an elevator twenty five years from now. I heard you driving up in your Tesla with that rip. <laughs> yeah, rap just well, boom, only boom, my boom, son's hip hop music, but uh, but ostensibly a lot of it's really good. A lot yeah, of it is. Good. It is, but it's not memorable in the long. You're not humming it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, some of it is. I'm just. It's like anything. Any popular music. There's something something going to grow out of it that's just going to stay forever and some of it's just going to be gone in in no time and, right and i i was going through a playlist uh, the other day on spotify of music from around 61 and 62 just for just for the hell of it i want and there were songs in there that i hadn't heard since 61 or 62 um, but I, I was going, oh yeah, that was a, I was a one hit wonder, but it was a great record and they just never made another great record. And then, then you, then of course you start seeing artists that, that the reason I was looking at it was, you know, 64 is when the British invasion started and a lot of great rock pop artists got blown out. Um, you know, if you didn't have an English accent, you, you couldn't have a hit record. It seemed like, except for the four seasons. And, and, um, and so I was looking at it, just wondering what happened to those people. And, and some of them were gone after one song, but some well, of them actually didn't soul, soul actually started to thrive after the six, yeah. 65, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because those English bands were based on blues artists and soul and pop and and as you've heard many times they they brought back an american invention they brought it back to america at a time when had it had gotten pretty stale you know and i like pop artists i like uh, you know the guys they're, they're the teen idols and all that sort of stuff from those days i still i love the story of how they were created and brought to the world and taken care of or maybe not taken care of and um uh, so, you know, it, it, it was an interesting world then. And I didn't realize that it was the whole record business that we got to know was being born then. Mm-hmm. It was being born uh, mid-50s, late-50s. And uh, the, the concept that I ended up getting into around 1970 was coming together in those days. And so it kind of a historian look at it is uh, it's kind of fun to do. I don't know. I'm babbling here. So. No, this is uh, how often stuff. do you get? To, yeah, do you get to hear from? Honestly, Mike, I mean, you are a legend in the business. He's you behind about, the scenes. Yeah, you, you've been in there. It was being developed and born as you as you just so. By the way, in in, uh, in uh, actually, a guy you've had on the show, C.J. Banston. I love C.J. Co-producer of uh, of the uh, of the um, Skunk Baxter album and and a keyboard player, but he's more like musical director of the band. With, with skunk and has produced Def Leppard and you know I mean he's an amazing uh, resume. Great storyteller. He, he didn't know he didn't know me at all. I I started working with with Skunk Baxter and when they put a band together, it's, I I didn't know those band members and um, so I got to know uh, CJ quite well. Very accomplished guy, um, but he was too busy he didn't know me he didn't know who i was he was you know, he was nice and he was polite but we were at the troubadour after uh, uh skunk played and it was we were having a couple of drinks and sitting around talking and he he asked me something about my career i said 
CJ, read my bio. <laughs> Do you know who just, I am? Just, just read my bio, and then we'll see if you still want to talk to me or not. <laughs> and I'd see him, of course, periodically. I go, did you read the my bio yet? And, and and then we were up in Soho in Santa Barbara, and somebody this is silly to talk about but somebody referred to me as a legend which sounds ridiculous to say but now now i get ribbed all the time right it's like oh yeah you're a legend <laughs> so that was, that was probably me that called you that because <laughs> that's what i call you right I so i mean i think it's it's very strange to be referred to that way but uh well, and you're alive. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a living legend. You're, you're a living work, legend. Your so, work is not done. It's not done. It's not over yet. Or, so, Stan, I'm, Car- you're, I'm a legend in my own lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> Carlton Santa Davis, drummer for Bob Marley. I love that interview. I love Santa. He was awesome. He was great. He um, was a great guy. James Lee Stanley, Lois. Uh, Louise, Louise. I always call her. I always call her Lou, uh, Lois. It's Louise Goffin. Um, yeah, she's a great songwriter and has this mother named Carol King. Oh wow! <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, you know, and I wanted to talk to her about her music and her career, but it's tough not to ask about her mom. <laughs> yeah, and she told a great story about appearing in uh, in London. Um, and Hyde Park, a big show, and there's a hundred thousand people out there. And her mother brought her on stage, and, and they sang a duet or something like that. So it, it touched on that subject in a kind of an interesting, an interesting story. There, can you imagine walking out on stage and there's a hundred thousand people? No. Jeez, no. What a rush! I got, I, I got at the at the. You remember it, it was like 1985. The um, um, the what was the big concert? There was one in London. Live Aid, and somebody gave me a, a pass, a backstage pass for Live Aid in Philadelphia, and I didn't know where it would get me. So there were steps leading up to the stage, and there were guards at certain levels, and I just thought, well, we'll see what happens. I started walking up the steps, and nobody said anything, and nobody said anything, and nobody said anything, and I took the last step. I stepped out. I looked to my right. And there were a hundred thousand people out there and Duran Duran was playing. Oh. And I'm standing behind them going, Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I got out of there. <laughs> got out of there. So I got up for a minute for a minute I got a feeling of what that was like. Oh God, how do they do that? That's crazy. <laughs> Well, just a, a, a couple more real quick. Miles Copeland, we talked about, and Arno Lucas loved that interview as well. Mike, what do you got coming up? Um, in, you're you're going to bring four. You've got four new episodes coming. Do you want to do you want to tease any of those or just let let people listen in? What's coming up? You've got four interviews coming up. You've oh yeah, four four guests that you're bringing back on the show. No. I'll let you know. Okay. So, <laughs> hey, I like it. It's a tease. Uh, Mike, thank Next you. Next week, so- we're going to talk to uh, Susan Short from, and she's she's not a musician. She's a very interesting woman who knows a great deal about uh, social media and uh, PR and design and so on. She's a, a, a She was involved with John Cougar Mellencamp, too, right, at some point? No, I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. 
But she, uh, she doesn't just do music. She's got clients that are lawyers, art galleries, all kinds of stuff. It's not, she's not just a music person. Um, but she's helping out with uh, Skunk Baxter. She's doing his social media. And from a guy who had never been on social media a few years ago, now you, you now you can't not see him. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, I'm, li I'm liking everything he's doing. I hope he sees it that I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll be talking to her. Uh, uh, well, we'll tape it next week. I don't know when it'll be heard or seen, but uh, she's uh, it, that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, then I, 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 Doug Legacy is going to come on at some point, and I don't even know if I've told you about that. But Doug is, uh, I call him the Doctor John of L.A. He's actually uh, deeply in, entrenched in New Orleans music, and he has a band called the Zydeco Party Band, but he also has another band that's not necessarily zydeco and the great musicians and the, the the his band the drummer for share is his drummer and lucinda williams bass player and just guys with great mm. guy named jimmy z who's a really brilliant musician and so we'll be talking to him sometime in the in the near future great look forward to it uh no, the, there's an event this sunday that skunks at do we you want to dr promo that here in santa barbara I don't know much about it. It's his side. It's his side gig. It's a band called American Vinyl. It's actually a private party. I just found out today. It's a okay. private show, but it'll be at Soho on Sunday, um, and I'm I'm thinking of coming up for that one. But um, uh, yeah, he he uh, he does that. But we're we're about to do a very quick uh, Midwest tour in Chicago, Detroit, and all that sort of stuff. But for some strange reason, we're doing it in December. We're going to the Midwest in December. Come on, so, Nick. You're an Ottawa boy. You can handle the cold. Timing, yeah, I can, ha I can handle the everything. cold. It's just that <laughs> if, if a blizzard comes along, there goes our shows for about three days. You know, True. Oh, they're outdoor? No, they're just... People just can't get you there. You know, you just can't get yeah, from one city there. to another sometimes. And <laughs> yeah. But let's not put that in the air. What's going to happen is that be there's no blizzards. Travel will be fine. They'll arrive. They'll play. It'll be sold out. That's, just, that's what we're thinking. I love it. That's what's going to happen. Um, Mike Gormley, the uh, Mike Gormley presents. I think that's what we call that, right, Mike? And and uh, he presents quite a few great, great, as you've heard, artists and icons in the music industry, and some that aren't. Anything that interests Mike, he brings it to the show, and uh, you guys benefit. Mm -hmm. So go back, type in. You know, to answer your question earlier. So you go to the Jeremiah show on any of these podcast sites and you can type in Mike Gormley, the Jeremiah show and all your shows will pop up or type in Will Knox or Mr. Restaurant under the Jeremiah show. Cool. One thing that we are going to do uh, this year, guys, is we're going to uh, break Will out on his own podcast sites. So you can just go straight to him if you'd like, if you don't want to find it through through us. And uh, same for Mike, and same for t uh, Tim Stack. So listen, I know you got to go, but Will, we can't we can't let you go before. Let me just tell you, if he's done eight episodes, eight interviews. He I'm a newbie, newbie, but they're so fascinating. He's interviewed Zoe Nathan and Josh. Uh, is it Loeb? Is that how you Josh say it? Loeb, said it out the Re Rusty Canyon group out of L.A. Yeah, so that's the Huckleberry, that's uh, Milo and Otis, that's Rusty Milo Canyon. and Olive, they've got Rusty Canyon up in Ojai, they've got the Duchess. Um, they've, they've done a very great job. You know, they're, they're relatively young as, as people go, and uh, they've got about uh, 10 restaurants under their belt, so they've, they've accomplished a lot.
Yeah, they're, great people. They're skilled operators. Bob Spivak, the Daily Grill. He's the original Mr. Restaurant as far as I'm concerned because yeah. uh, he he really has weathered all the storms and he's the first to admit it. And he created a concept called the Grill on the Alley, which is still a power restaurant in L.A. So yeah, that's a great restaurant. Yeah, that was the place to see and be seen. And, you know, all the agents and, you know, artists in town would would gather in beverly hills on this little alleyway did it did it make it through the pandemic it, it has it has but you know the restaurant sorry yeah it's indoors you See, know that's what happens when we go over time these guys will get all the deals start happening again everybody's trying to get all of them yeah the pinion ohi founders i love the three of those guys. oh the, the, these these guys young guys at uh, pinion ohi uh you know they i was in there the other day they're they're all tatted up you know they're they're, they're under, wearing beanies they're and under sun. 30 and they the ig everything and i go what's ig and they go, you know instagram you know and they don't even have a phone you can't call you got to go through their you know ig account and and that's the new world and that's how they're marketing and to their credit they do a great um you know wood fire pizza but that's that's the backbone of it but they say to me that uh, they have so many other products that you know are really you know making it and they do a lot of private uh, events as well and and you know bully to them they just wanted to come up to this little town called ojai where i now live and uh they've they've taken the town by storm and they're just going in doing their business keeping their minds on their business no real fanfare and that's that's cool because at the end of the day what i'm finding with all these guys that i've interviewed and all the people that i've been around over the years there's one very consistent an element and that's execution they really know what they want they stay with it and they follow through with it and i think it's a metaphor for life as well you know you got to execute at the end of the day you can dream it but if you can't pull it off don't do it yeah. one of the things i have to compliment both uh, uh mike will and you jeremiah are the fact that <clears throat> you never did this before these, these programs, the Jeremiah Show and uh, Mr. Restaurant and, of course, Mike Gormley's uh, very sp interesting and, and uh, informative types of programs. You guys are, are focused in on your particular areas of expertise. And it just so happens that you're also very curious, but you know enough. I could, I could interview all of these people that you've just mentioned, but I have no points of real reference. And so my questions would be uh, of a real novice. But like with Will, and I've produced all, th all eight of his programs, uh, the questions that he asks because he has that inside information and it makes the interviews that much more interesting. It's not over people's heads. That's the thing. None of these programs are well, over anybody's heads. It some, just makes them sound really you. good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, guys, uh, I, uh, you got to run? But I got to go. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Mike, Thank nice you to very meet much. You. Nice to see you. Well, Thank maybe I'll see you on Sunday, Jeremiah. I'm not sure I, if I'll I, be there or not. I hope so. And thanks for taking us to the 500 show and being a part of it, Mike. Yeah, congratulations. Mike, Mike Gorman. 500 more. 500 uh, more coming around the, around the bend. Yes, sir. Um, okay. Signing off. We'll see Mike Gormley in the, on the flip side in his next interview. Um, and I know you got to go too well. well I just but want to say one thing. First of all, to Jeremiah, I'm very grateful because this guy, you know, I guess 500 shows ago, you know, had this vision and he's still doing it. So that guy is executing. 
okay? Yeah. And, he's, and he's brought me into the fold, and it's something I've wanted to do for some time, and we've kind of kicked it around a little bit as to, you know, how, you know, a show dealing with the business of restaurants would work. And so Jeremiah has helped catapult me and kick me into gear. And so my hat's off to Jeremiah because he's stayed with it, and he's doing it, and he continues to do it, and God willing, he's going to do it for the rest of however long he wants to do it. But thank Absolutely. you, for, thank you for including me. You're There's a, a great, million. You're a great guy, Jeremiah. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Happy 500. I'll see you at 501. I guess. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye, Mike. Mike, the the living legend, Mike Gormley. There you go. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> All right, so we'll, I, I started this in the beginning. Remember, I, I was trying to flesh out, as I said, as I termed it. Will Mike gave me the idea, you know, spurn the idea of food and music together. Well, Will gave the reason Will is here and Tim Stack is here and Mike Gormley is here. And uh, I'm going to announce it right now. Ivor Davis, the great Ivor Davis, uh, who was the first journalist to travel and, and be approved with the, on the Beatles uh, North American tour, their first Great. tour, um, on and on. Um, lots, he's written a lot of bestsellers. Ivor Davis is now going to also join this little happy family and bring in some great stories. Uh, it, Will Will said to me as I was talking to him one day on the phone, I don't even know if you remember this, Will, but he said, oh, I get it, I get it. You're kind of like, um, you're kind of, and I never thought of this, and you said you're kind of like um, John... Um, uh, the Daily Show, John. Uh, John Stewart? No, not John Stewart. Was it John Stewart? Yeah, John oh, Stewart. The Daily Show. Daily Show. Yeah. I can't believe I love him. I can't believe I blink. Um, yeah. So you said you're kind of like that. You have all these different correspondents. Right. Right. And I get it, and I like that. And so I had not ever thought about that. I don't even know if I told you. Well, so they like different. I, I like they that. Bring different things to his table, so to speak. So that's yeah. why this is turning into a bigger and bigger family. Is because of that idea that you had, Will. I mean, I may I may have been doing that, but I didn't have a specific goal in mind. Um, well, thank you so for thank making you. me your restaurant correspondent. Yeah. Well, who else would you make? I also wanted to say that you know how you go when you you start a business. It's always location, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That's what you hear. You everybody's heard that phrase. Well, Will uh, underplays the importance that he plays in these these great restaurateurs that he's had on the show and the and the many more that he'll bring on he has helped all of these people uh gain the success that they've gained because he's found them their locations and a lot of these locations are iconic like like suzanne Gowen and caroline stein luke that was there for 19 years um an icon in and and restaurant the restaurant industry spago uh you know the daily grill uh, Little Doms, which we haven't talked about, Warner, uh, Warner Ebbing, and I, I, I thought that was one of the best. I just loved Warner's, uh, and he was sick that day, if you remember, right? Uh, but he brought the energy, and and Bob, Bob's well bred. Bob's well bred Los Alamos and Ballard and Larry Nicola, who I brought up from uh, Beverly Hills to a little spot in in Ojai that he now runs his Ojai Roti, and it's very successful. And you know, I tell the folks that I deal with do not fall in love with the deal. Fall in love with the location. And if it's a B or B plus, would you want to get married to a B plus? No. <laughs> so let's keep going till we find really what we really, really want. And you should be able to visualize yourself in that location because you're going to be there 14, 18 hours a day, at least at the outset. So you better love it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's more than just the deal. Because, you know, a guy will say to me, a person will say to me, oh, it's a great deal. Well, if it's a bad location, I don't care how great it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why it's such a great deal. Yeah. I, I think, uh, let me get closer to my mic. I think we'll know what you've brought. Uh, these spots that you've found are the restaurants that people, millions of people have come around the world to visit and go home back to uh, and emulate and copy and you found those you know with, Thank with you. these so i just think it's a it's a really really uh you know special skill set and and um maybe uh, overlooked but should never be right like you don't think about the will knox who found this place well it, this it, it really kind of morphed I, mean, I was very lucky because i was at, at the time that i did my first restaurant deal it was 1982, maybe, I think, when Spago opened, so 81. And the, the real estate market I had I'd been in for five years as a, as a young, struggling actor, producer, and I needed to do something to support myself rather than waiting on tables. I got in the real estate business in Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, West Side of L.A., and, you know, that would allow me the time to do what creatively I wanted to do but and I was single so the interest rates however uh, in 1980 went to 14 percent so today it's seven percent mm-hmm. you know people are screaming but I broke in when they were eight percent and then they go to 14 percent nobody was buying any residential and I'm 30 and I'm thinking to myself now what am I going to do and then I got wind that there was this little known chef Wolfgang Puck, who was looking for his own spot, and that's the first deal I did. And then I just started getting a little bit more involved in it. So it it rolled, but it rolled because I started staying focused because I said no one's doing this. Mm-hmm. So um, I was I was at, very lucky. You're good at asking for what you want. That's right. right. That's just big, ask Willie Mays. It's a big lesson. <laughs> ask Willie Mays. <laughs> Ruth Reichel. I mean, best selling author. Amazing books. Mention a, a couple books that are best selling. Oh, that's. She wrote for Gourmet Magazine, and she wrote for the L.A. Times, and she was a wonderful critic. And, you know, she was extremely affable, you know, when I had her on the show and very open to it. And and I thought, you know, it was going to be a tough get. And uh, she was very open to, you know, being on the show. It was a young show and still is. And, you know, I still have to go out and, you know convince other people that Mr. Restaurant's got the legs that will give them some exposure. And Ruth was very, very humble. And and she told just great stories about, you know, her life and, um, and writing, you Mm -hmm. know, I wanted to know really what it meant to be a a film critic. Uh, uh, So it it was very, very enjoyable. And and I also had uh, Susan Feniger on the show with uh, her life partner, Liz Lockman. And what I wanted to do with them was uh, not necessarily talk about Susan and the Border Grill, but really talk about a documentary that Liz was doing about Susan and Susan's resilience because she had actually had a failure which was very rare for a gal like Susan Feniger who was a top chef award-winning chef uh, but Susan is extremely humble and and great company and wonderful to be around as is Liz I came to know but Liz is a documentarian and she was documenting 
uh, uh, really the the opening and the demise of a concept that Susan did called Street, which to this day I think has great legs if it was done in a different location. Mm-hmm. And they took a location that was not far from Pizzeria Moza on Highland in uh, in L.A., except you couldn't stop your car between 4 and 7 near the restaurant. So that was making it difficult to get into, and there were other problems. But Liz documented it, and I wanted to talk to them about the documentation and and really they were you know at the final phases of, of finishing off the documentary and you know to this day they're now editing the documentary and they're still looking for a few more bucks to try to you know get them over the finish line and you know that was a, a wonderful interview because these are two sharp women that uh, are at the top of their game and they know how to execute so it, it's it's I've been I've been very blessed to be around people that know a lot more than I do. That's for sure. You know, it's interesting. I just I just typed in Chef Susan Finnegar and Liz Lockman uh, to see if I could find that that documentary and if it's out or that where we it's can promote called it. Fort Fort and Fort it is by Susan Finnegar at Film Independent. Dot, right, it's coming org. out. Okay, but it, it actually says it's up. But you know what? First, what pops up first is your your episode. Oh, great. Wow. <laughs> okay. And it pops up ahead of that. Cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, Pay attention, folks. Uh, hey, Mr. Restaurant's here, and he's bringing us uh, some really great people. Uh, do you want to? Mr. Restaurant's got to go, however. Mr. Restaurant's got to go. He's got a reservation somewhere. He, before, <laughs> But he's got to leave the strudel before he that's goes. Right. You're going to get half the strudel. Half was, the strudel. I'm telling you, it was almost three feet long, this strudel. I Mr. went to I went to a restaurant in Santa Barbara that's considering coming into the Ojai market. And uh, these folks have been around Santa Barbara, how long, Jeremiah? Forever, right? Who, who are you referring Anderson's. to? Anderson's. Oh, yeah. Anderson's. And it's a Danish concept. And, you know, I'm talking to them about what they got to do to kind of enter the 21st century. But, boy, do they make some great bakery You're items. telling me we got yeah. half of an Anderson strudel? You got, somewhere? like, <laughs> two feet of an Anderson strudel. It's <laughs> well, unbelievable. I can't bring it my... home because my wife will just say, out, no, nuh <laughs> You know, Will Knox, Mr. Restaurant, I really want to thank you and thank you for your time thank today. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the 500 show. Uh, go back and search in, go to the Jeremiah Show on any podcast site. Couldn't be simpler. Then subscribe. That way you don't ever have to search again. And then, because we will tell you every time we put up a new Mr. Restaurant. And then just put in the Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. You'll find all the eight episodes that are available now. Many more to come. Do you want to? I would just ask the public out there, if you have any ideas that you'd like to hear on Mr. Restaurant. Or if you're a restaurateur or a chef, right? You got it. How do they contact you, Will? They would contact me through the Knox Company, www.thekanox.com. Company spelled out company dot com the Knox Company dot com, or you can call me. Call me on the phone three one zero nine nine three six eight nine six. No robocalls, please. <laughs> Over now. Hey, thanks, Will. Mr. Thank Restaurant. you, Jeremiah. Here goes Mr. Restaurant. We got two minutes. Can we do it, Doctor D? Extra thirty five dollars for you. Three, two, one. Bad Move, featuring Clint Black by Jeff Skunk Baxter.
Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing, at the very same time, I'm having a great time on the Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hey, this is Jeff Scott Baxter. Um, I just want you to know that we all need to keep our vets, veterans, men and women who served, who are on the wall and who were on the wall in our hearts at all times. Sometimes they need help. There are a number of organizations that are dedicated to helping our veterans. Organizations like Angel Force, like Justice for Vets, Guitars for Vets. Uh, Please reach out if you can. Open your heart and reach out and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. And number one, that you won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hey, I'm Susan Feniger, and I'm a chef and a restaurateur. And I'm Liz Lockman, a filmmaker. And we are talking about our new film, the documentary Susan Feniger Forked. Ooh, I'm so excited, but ooh, I can't wait for it to come out. Hi, I'm Brooke Williamson, Top Chef, Season 14 winner. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show, so don't go away. Here's Tim Johnson with Hold On. <laughs>
got power together you and i dr d listeners all of us all of us that are listening to this show to listening to these stories of all these great people all these great musicians all these great chefs entrepreneurs artists actors comedians all of the great people authors that come on this show we got power we are an army of listeners and i like this family it's a good family one of the great things about this show, as I reflect in our 500th episode, is that we've helped a lot of people along the way. Whether it's been mental, uh, you know, mental health issues, whether you know, with Marilyn Hemingway and uh, you know, uh, the music that we've played has helped people uh, the, with loneliness, with just. We've just connected all of us through this show, and I, and I just, I can't be, I couldn't be more proud of that. Let me tell you a real quick story. A mother who loves her daughter more than anything in the world reached out to me through Facebook not too long ago, and she asked me to take a listen to a song by her daughter, and she sent me this video. She said her daughter had had struggles in high school like we all do, had challenges like we all do, but was a sweet girl. And would I please listen? I want to read this song, this lyric real quickly here. This reminds me of the artist I'm about to play for you here. We're going to debut Shay O'Connor and play a song that she recorded in Spokane, Washington at a little studio and that she sent to me. This song, though, reminds me of Shay. I've gotten to know Shay a lot over the last few months, and I've introduced her to one of our, our, our very special guests in the past and friends, Chris Wurzig, who is a professional sound engineer uh, and, and has scored hundreds of films, television shows, and helped artists create their sound. Shay and Chris are, at this moment, recording her very very first single which we're going to drop here in a couple weeks these two songs that i'm going to play in this hour and the second hour are covers okay let me go back to that song this reminds me of shay and this is why this show is so great i think we we meet amazing people we're able to help each other out we're able to play your music uh talk about your book talk about your passion talk about your life song's called Dandelion, and it's a song by a band called Jealous of the Birds. Here it goes. Days like this shape pomegranate hips. Girls like handkerchiefs all unfurled. Your laugh's a dandelion whirl from the window 
every color swirls. With my blue bird heart, I'm a singing girl. I tied a balloon to your garden gate at noon. Happy birthday, my little drop of June. Your laugh's a dandelion whirl. From the window, every color swirls. With my blue bird heart, I'm a singing girl. You deserve all good things. Shay O'Connor, your voice is amazing. I'm so happy to introduce you to the audience around the world. Uh, stay tuned, guys. I'll, I'll start giving you more information on how you can follow Shay, listen to her music, and support her journey. She's just starting out. And uh, I, I think you'll agree that she's got a really great voice and a great career ahead of her. You can follow her on Instagram at Shaylin Sings. Okay, here we go, Dr. D. Let's premiere her new song, Over You, cover by Cassidy Pope, reimagined by Shaylin Marie O'Connor.
this is comedian Maz Chobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Be sure to check out our very own Richard Dugan, a.k.a. Dr. D, Peabody Award-nominated radio show. Tell me your story every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound and engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. I'ma put my guns in the ground I can't shoot them anymore That cold black cloud is coming down This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, the Jeremiah Show. I love you.